This episode of Superman of the Bronze Age is sponsored by InStock Trades. A mainstay of the collected edition market, InStock Trades has over 13,000 individual trade paperback, graphic novel, and hardcover titles in stock and ready to ship, all at great discounted prices. Most orders ship within 48 hours, and orders over $50 ship for free. You can find them on the web at www.instocktrades.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. This is Superman Superman in the the Bronze Age. Age. episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and once again, we are delving into the Bronze Age for one of our last times. And we are going to take a look at one of the final stories from Superman's Bronze Age era. But to help me, I've brought back a friend, former co-host and all-around awesome guy. Welcome, J. David Weeder. Yay! I feel like I've been here before. A couple times. <laughs> so how are you? I am I'm excellent. Yay. Party on Wayne. Party on Garth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take the next two episodes to look at the story of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Was it good? Was it bad? Do we like it? Do we despise it? We'll find out together. Are there parts that make us cry? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no way around that one. I'll, I'll tell you that right up front. Yes. <laughs> In fact, doing my synopsis, especially what's happened lately for me, uh, there's one particular scene that got me a little choked up. Yes. But we'll get to that next episode because this episode is going to be Dave's episode. So when we come back from these special promos, I don't know how special they'll be, but they're, they're good promos. Uh, we'll get back and Dave will tell us all about Superman number 423. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. This is a job for Superman. Up, Up, and Away, the weekly podcast dedicated to anything and everything Superman. Join me, Mari Benessi, as I explore every aspect of the Man of Steel's history, from comics and movies to TV, radio, and more. It's all here on Up, Up, and Away. 
For more Up, Up, and Away, go to www.upupandaway.podomatic.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Up, Up, and Away Podcast, and Mario can be contacted through Twitter at MarioFanOfSteel and through email at mvanese94 at yahoo.com. That's B as in boy, E-N-N-E-S-E. Up, Up, and Away is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. And we are back for Superman number 423. I guess we should specify now that this is Superman Volume 1, uh, yes. which was cover dated September 1986. It went on sale June 12th of 1986 per Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. And the title is. Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. It was written by Alan Moore, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by George Perez, lettered by Todd Klein, colored by Gene D'Angelo. I'm not going to describe the cover because, well, we'll get to that when we discuss the cover. <laughs> but in the year 1997, Tim Crane of the Daily Planet arrives at the home of Mrs. Lois Elliott, formerly Lane, to conduct an interview for the Superman Memorial Edition. The interview progresses with Lois telling Tim about the years leading up to Superman's disappearance and assumed death. Brainiac had been smashed to bits with only his head missing, while Luthor was lying low, and lower-tiered villains like Terra Man and Parasite had destroyed each other. They were quiet years with Superman working in space, conducting research, but one day stuff got real. Superman arrived on a scene of carnage to learn that Bizarro was the one wrecking the place, and worse, Bizarro had destroyed Bizarro World, murdering its inhabitants. But a fight doesn't break out. Instead, Bizarro kills himself with blue kryptonite because an imperfect duplicate would have to be dead if Superman is alive. A short time later, Clark Kent gets a package at WGBS which holds Superman action figures, but these figures don't have super punch action when you squeeze their legs. Instead, they shoot lasers quotation marks, from their eyes. The tiny figures begin burning everything in sight and then focus on Clark himself, bathing him in heat vision. This burns off the Clark Kent disguise, leaving Superman's secret in the ashes. The world now knows that Clark Kent and Superman are one. The Man of Steel recognizes the radio-transmitted taunts coming from the figures to be the prankster and toy man, but how did they know his secret? How did they learn this? Well, they tortured and killed Superman's childhood friend, Pete Ross, and delivered his corpse to the WGBS studios. Superman's a bit upset and follows the radio waves transmitted to the dolls back to Prankster and Toyman's hideout. And Superman's able to bring them in, but at Pete's funeral, he frets about the more vicious nature of his enemies and fears that more dangerous foes may escalate to the same level. The scene switches to two of Superman's most dangerous foes aligning as Lex Luthor finds the head of Brainiac, which still has some life in it yet. Brainiac bonds with Luthor's body in a parasitic merging, and Lexiac stomps off to destroy the last son of Krypton. Later, the WGBS offices are attacked by an army of Metallos, which Superman handles pretty deftly by magnetizing the Daily Planet globe. But fearing for his foes as well as his girlfriend Lana, Superman begins taking them to his Fortress of Solitude. 
just in time as the kryptonite man starts terrorizing Metropolis, but Lexiac snags him for his revenge plot. Or theirs, I'm not sure yet. While everybody settles in, Crypto returns from space, and Superman gets a visit from the Legion of Superheroes, including Supergirl, who is deceased in this era. The Legion presents Superman with an ominous gold trophy, and hint that they are paying their last respects to the Man of Tomorrow. Once the Legion leaves, Superman is alone with only Crypto in his own thoughts, and Lois says that when she saw him the next morning, he looked like he had been crying. And indeed, the issue closes on Superman sitting in his trophy room, spilling Kryptonian tears into his invulnerable hand. Very nice. Yes. So, wow. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's start with the cover. Yes, the reason I didn't describe it in detail is it's it's worthy of discussion and it's spoilerish. Very spoilerish. But it's very much an homage to the old uh, Superman annuals. Mm-hmm. We've got Superman, a Superman statue. Oh, first of all, this is by Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson, reuniting the Swanderson team one last time. Yes, it even Although, says Swanderson on it. Yes, they, I don't think they ever really had a chance to sign it before, so that's kind of cool. Um, so you got the Superman statue and people walking by and standing in, or sitting in front of it. Uh, it says, see the rampage of Bizarro. Experience the return of the fearsome funsters. Witness the killing of Clark Kent. Meet the new Brainiac Luther team. Survive the Daily Planet's last stand. And attend the Legion of Superheroes' last salute. It's, it's a really good composition. I mean, it is an homage, but the six panels on either side of the statue, I mean, it's three on each side, really, I mean, they, they tell you the story up front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically, every it's, it's almost like the cover's an outline for what happens on the inside. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And it also says Superman in his historic last issue, which technically isn't true because they just retitled it to Adventures <laughs> of Superman, but... Yeah, well, yeah. They were trying to get you to think that this was it, though. Even though there's an ad inside for what comes next. But that, <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll get to that a little later. But, yeah, it's it's a, it's an awesome cover. If I would say that if I was around and looking at a newsstand, this would definitely jump out. Yeah, because not only is it throwback, then you see something like killing up Clark Kent. You, gotta, you at least would want to flip it open. Especially when it says historic last issue yeah too yeah and the bright red banner at the top it, it's really cool all right so going on the inside first of all i want to point out um have you ever read the, the book like top 10 no i think we've had we talked about that while we were in metropolis that i i haven't read it but you highly recommended it i highly recommend it yes but um it's got some non-painted uh gene ha artwork mm -hmm. and i have to say that, it, that the combination it's probably also helps that Alan Moore's writing it, but the combination of Kurt Swan's pencils with George Perez's inks, the fine detail you have, uh, plus I'm thinking Swan and Perez might be some kind of inspiration for Ha, or not inspiration, but you know, uh, influences. A lot of the art gave me some of those top ten kind of feels. Yeah. The um, the fine the fine detail on the inking and the de all the detail in the background on all the is it just really made me think of that see i found I it interesting say. that perez who has a recognizable style as well as kurt swan you can actually watch him come and go in the art 
you see more Swan coming out on some pages and then Perez on others. Yes. And yeah, I can see, I'll have to look up the top 10, but I can kind of see where top 10 would want to throw back to the Silver Age or Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to follow somebody, Kurt Swan, not too bad. And well, there's George Perez. He can do no wrong. Exactly. And the the detail. Now, keep in mind, too, when Kurt Swan first started off in his comic book art world and artwork, uh, he actually had to was putting too much detail in mm-hmm. and had to be told to tone it down. Now, I know he didn't have uh, – it's a little different for the action, but I wonder if he knew about George Perez and maybe he put more detail in or maybe George actually took the time to put this in. But there's a lot of detail in the backgrounds and stuff in this issue. Which is – yeah, and I, I do go for the latter that Perez is known for his detail for putting umpteen characters on a panel and oh, making well, yes. it work. It's yes. key. Yeah, and I know that. I'm just wondering if maybe Kurt put a little more than he usually – does since he knew that george would be inking it and would enhance it anyway yeah true i don't know then again he had to do both of these issues and have them out and he was still doing a monthly schedule too on the superman book so it, it may have been rough pencils yeah it could yeah that's He's like, well, i've possible. got george perez perez will make this excellent <laughs> which and, art is a collaborative thing so yeah, and with the inspiration that george has for with uh kurt i can see him doing a very good job of mimicking some of the stuff too mm-hmm. well but the, anyway the future oh. home of 1997 looks very silver age kurt swan oh, definitely it's got a giant sofa and the little domed coffee maker espresso machine yeah not That's too not too terribly far off i mean i don't put uh. a dome over my espresso machine but well no no other uh, than that a lot of it's <laughs> not too out far-fetched no in fact i don't I don't even think that i mean the clothes look a little weird but they're not too outlandish no i don't i wouldn't wear well, any of that right now but well ten, god it's 10 years late no it's 18 it's, years yes, later exactly god okay anyway uh do you have any notes up until do you have page by pages or i didn't really do page by page i'm that's fine all right so let's start off with where where we're set up as we get to the start of the story so let's see uh luther's lying low mm-hmm. brainiac's last organic metal body had been pounded into a state beyond repair so they're at, you you think that they're out as soon as the story starts uh parasite and terraman destroyed each other obviously uh alan moore didn't care to write about them would you miss them no, no. well i like the parasite terraman i can do without well let's keep in mind too parasite was a very late silver age villain Mm-hmm. And most of his stuff probably was Bronze Age, and the Terra Man stuff was also—he was a Bronze Age villain. Yes. So it would perfectly make sense that they would not be in the story. Also, if you look at the third panel on page, oh, they took the page numbers out. Hold on, <laughs> they took the page numbers out on the digital version. Really? Not the digital. Well, yeah, the reprint anyway. Uh, on page three, you can actually see baby Jonathan. Yes. And he's almost bald. <laughs> well, he's also in a, a, it's, it looks like an ICU plastic. Holder. And, and that yeah. actually concerned me the first time I read it. So <laughs> I, I had never actually noticed him being there before, but, uh, next issue, he's got a lot of hair. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know 
What's going on there? That's weird. But anyway. It's a reverse Lex Luthor. <laughs> yes, th- uh, he's slowly gaining his hair. Yes. All right, so the next page we get, we pull back and look at this scene of destruction. I love this. Now, being someone that's been chronicling Superman's Bronze Age adventures, I don't think Kurt Swan has had a story. I don't think there's been, not just Kurt Swan, I don't think there's really been a story with this kind of destruction in Metropolis before. Not to this level. Most of the time it's like, oh, I'll fix it with some haphazard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think the other thing is, like you mentioned, with thanks to Perez, all these extra background characters and all the extra stuff going on Mm -hmm. really adds to it. I mean, we've got destruction to buildings, fires coming out. I I wonder how much of this is Kurt and how much of it is George. I'm not sure, but I like Ronald Reagan making a cameo there in the fireman's outfit. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like him, doesn't it? A little bit. So, let's see. So, when we get to the next page, and it actually makes me think, I don't think it's a jewelry store. It looks almost like a, I almost wanted to say a comic shop. I, w- I thought it was a f- like a department store. It's- yeah, well, yeah, but it just, I don't know. Oh, it's a clothing store. Yeah. Because you actually see S-U-A-L, I assume that's casual. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Not to mention the half-off fall clearance. Yes. So forget what I just said. That's That was that was dumb. Uh, but I do like the detail. Uh, Bizarro has not had this so such crystalline detail to him before. So that's cool. It, it adds to this the scene because Bizarro is normally and Superman mentions this. He's normally just a bumbling fool who happens to do stupid things. And here yes. he's mentioning, yeah, I, I killed my whole planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> although, just... <laughs> although I do have to mention, uh, the, see, and this is, this kind of goes into a recurring thing. I'm going to have it with, um, Alan Moore, not really apparently paying much attention for the bronze age. Uh, Start once, Mark. Uh, I've been, the stories I've been covering with Marty Pasco. Uh, Bizarro did, granted, it was a bumbling thing, but he did inadvertently cause a lot of damage. And in one story, he, um, f- he specifically comes to Earth to kill Superman's friends. He read some kind of something on one of those on a future scope that his friends were going to die. So his idea was to come to Earth to kill them first. I kind of remember this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, it's not he doesn't just do dumb dundering things. I mean, Superman does send him away, but uh, yes, a little things like that. It's I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being nitpicky because I just read that stuff. But there's a few places in here that in this story that. I, I mean, overall, I really like this story, but... Well, one of the major criticisms that I've heard from other other podcasters, other blogs, things of that nature, is that this was closing out the Silver Age rather than the Bronze Age. Yes, and it does do a very good job of closing out the Silver Age. Yeah, uh, but there are certain relationships... In a, in a sense. Yeah, but there are certain relationships that existed in the Bronze Age. For example, Lana in the Silver Age was pretty securely a Superboy character. Yes. And Lana being a co-worker, being a love interest for the adult Superman is definitely a very Bronze Age thing. Very much. In fact, uh, that, that I do have a note about that later. Oh. But 
Jumping ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's <laughs> fine. Uh, but anyway, so Bizarro, uh, because he's an imperfect duplicate, ha- means he should be dead. Which, in a sense, makes logical sense. But if he's dead and Superman's alive, he's then a perfect duplicate. That's right. So he wants to, well, he wants no, to be... No, perfect, perfect opposite. Duplicate. I'm confused now. Never mind. It's, a, he's... it's bizarre. Bizarro is so confusing. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay. The uh, one of the things I want to point out, though, especially with this next scene, um, is I'm sorry. Were you finished with the Bizarro stuff? No, that, that, I'm good. Okay. Uh, is some of the scene transitions that Moore uses when he keeps cutting back from the events from the past to the current during the interview. Uh, some of the w- scene transitions he uses are pretty awesome. Uh, like on this page here that we're looking at, the final page of Pizarro. Uh, it starts off the the scene ends with Lo- with Lois talking over it, and then you get the scene of them sitting there talking about what had happened and kind of having a not really a monologue, but kind of a discussion about what it meant and stuff. And then it ends up into talking about the unmasking, and then the next page, next page, the full page is drawn in the flashback. But it starts off with, yes, I'm talking about the unmasking. It felt very cinematic. Yeah. Uh, Highlander would be the one I would think of. Because that had some of the best transitions. Oh, let's look at this painting. And that transitions us back to 15th century Scotland. Yeah, see? So I... The one thing I will say about this, the whole both both parts of the story, is the scene transitions are really awesome. Yes. They, 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 those flashing back to Lois could take you out of the story those transitions move you smoothly to the next scene. Yes. Plus, on the next page, super, uh, Clark gets uh, like superpowers figures. Yes, exactly what I thought. They're a little more articulated. Uh, if you look at the drawing, it looks like they have some elbow and knee articulations. Um, well, superpowers had knee articulations, but yeah, normally the, right. the arms were static. They had yeah. articula- articulation at the shoulders, neck, hips, and then the knees. Yes. There's no 32 points of articulation here. No, 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 no. And the 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 elbow, the arms were at a slight angle, so if you put his arms up, he never quite looked like he was going to be flying. No. But you know, whatever. It's it was the mid 80s. They could only do so much. Easy on that action figure line, okay? I have a nice what? collection of them. Oh, I know. I I, I hey, I had. The super, I had Superman from Power from the Superpowers line. I and then I had the when they reissued it when uh, I guess Kenner took over mm-hmm. and used the same molds but took out the special features. Oh, Toy Biz. Oh, that was Toy Biz. Okay. Oh. But yeah, I have the Superman from both of those. The Superman and, where you can hold the Kryptonite ring up to him and he shakes. Oh no, I haven't. I don't have that. Oh okay. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> yes. Dude. Except that he rattled because he had a magnet in his chest. Oh, well, still, that's cool. Um, but anyway, so what do you think about the way that Clark is discovered to be Superman? It, it's so abrupt that you don't have time to think about the consequences until after it. And I don't think it really ever explores those consequences on a smaller scale, but I'm more distracted by Lana's bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> and sus- and what looks like suspenders, but I think it's just an ugly blouse. Well, bow ties are cool. 
You know what's funny is when Mark Wade, Grant Morrison, Mark Millar, uh, they were sp- pitching their Superman 2000, they pitched a story where Superman's secret identity was found out. And it was because of that that was going to lead to Lois having her memory erased as far as her memory, uh, her wedding, her marriage to him. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And I, and I thought, wow, they're really aping on this story, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Not, <laughs> can, you, can you imagine the – I mean, we remember the the – What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, how upset everyone was when they did that with Spider-Man. Can yes. Can you imagine what it would have been like if they had actually carried that out with Superman? Whoa. But then again, if if it's going to come down to this, if the consequences are going to be real and this is final, not only do you have to have him reveal this because that's been the contention since the beginning is he, is he has to hide that secret identity, but he's not going to reveal it himself because he can't just go, hey, guys, I've been lying to you this whole time. Yeah, 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 because he never lies. Yeah, exactly, except every day. <laughs> every day. Uh, I do like how on the next page, though, slowly as Superman starts peeling away the clothes of the Clark clothes, we don't see him do it, but his hair just automatically yes, it does. cleans itself up into the Superman spit curl, and <laughs> it's awesome. He's got super Kryptonian hair. Yeah, but dang, they killed Pete. Yeah, that I think, you know, Bizarro was one thing. Once you realize, oh, they tortured and killed Pete, you realize this story is not the normal fare. Yeah, it's going much, much darker. We've definitely got a dark tone to it. But uh, I do like the effect, though. I wish that they had actually used it more often. But the idea of this purple comet, Lois doesn't actually mention it until later, but they color it this way where whenever he moves because the, of the red and the blue in his costume it all blurs together so he looks like a purple comet mm. I really wish they could have messed done something with that before the final story yes that would have been nice but that's the observation of a single writer who did a single pair of stories yeah yeah not counting for the man who has everything yes and he didn't have purple comet then I don't think nope but uh, let's see. Then he goes after, of course, Parasite and uh, what's his face? Toy Man. Toy Man and Prankster. What I say? Parasite? Yes. That's because I'm cool that way. Uh, <laughs> but all the little toys. I love the detail. I'm betting at least some of these were not in there originally. Probably. They're, they don't look very swan. No, not most of them. I'm actually surprised there aren't more that look like lice thing but slightly off like okay. there's like a an couple, et yeah like an et or like a like a voltron or a transformer or a i don't know well but those things aren't really the style of the toy man really eh, yeah good point i uh, just it's with all these mechanized things in the background i just actually they, the, the designs do look a lot more um lost in space now that i think about it a little bit oh yeah <laughs> All right, so he takes them out. They go to the funeral, and dark storm clouds gather in the sky. Lois is wearing a beret, <laughs> which I never you, noticed until this moment. It's the kind you find at a secondhand store. Yes, it looks. It is a raspberry beret. <laughs> and if you look uh, the panel before that, Lana's wearing one as well, I think, or someone else is another female. Apparently, when you're apparently females going to funerals, 
in the mid '80s had to wear berets, I guess. So I guess that replaced the tear, you know, the pillbox hat with the veil. Well, yeah, I guess. I like though that the, or I don't, I don't know. It's interesting though that the Daily Planet does do the headline: Clark Kent exposed as Superman. Well, that's going to be the top story of the day. It is. It's just kind of. Huh. Uh, Perry's not going to waffle on that. If it's news, it's news. Yeah, it's the truth. And Superman would understand. He is he was a reporter. Yes, that's true. Up until that moment. Yes. Okay, so we get the new Lex and Brainiac team. And I like how you called them Lexiac. I wish I had thought to do that in my notes. I'll have to change my notes. But um, it is very interesting. It is a very new version of the team. <laughs> yes, that's a good way of saying it. The only problem I have with it is that it takes Luther out of the story. Yeah. Yes and no. He he becomes he has a moment that's pretty incredible next issue. So I don't want to comment too much on it now. Well, yeah, but it's like I don't know. It it basically what happens is Brainiac attaches himself to Luther's head and takes over his body basically. Mm-hmm. And Luther, up until that special moment that we're talking about for next issue. Up until then, he's pretty much just Brainiac using Luther's body as a, well, as his body. And it's just kind of, I think it kind of takes out Luther a little too soon to me. Because he never actually gets to do anything to take out Superman. Uh, Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, once everything really hits, everything hits stride next issue... Luthor would have been lost in the shuffle either way. Yeah. But it's... You you almost feel bad for Luthor for once. Because this is terrifying. It's a violation. And you know it's terrible because he's sweating in the Arctic. Yes. Or wherever <laughs> he is that's snowy. He's sweating. So, yeah. I mean, he fights it, at least for a while. He's constantly got his eyes wide open like he's fighting it. Although I have to say, if I was Brainiac, I think I'd be really annoyed at saying, take take one step forward, now another, and another, and another, and another. Because apparently this took a while. Because they're in the, Ar- uh, looks like the Arctic wastes. <laughs> yes. And it is a while later before they have to build a new Brainiac ship <laughs> and then get down to metropolis by the when kryptonite man shows up well is the sh- uh, i guess that's assuming the ship was destroyed well, that's what it says uh right here my ship was destroyed by superman our first priority is to construct a replacement yeah. the materials will only be found in populated areas look at you taking information from this text itself yeah silly me sorry uh but next page we go to the siege of the daily planet and well, we have our first Bronze Age prostitute that shows up. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a, she looks like Maxima. She does. <laughs> wow, I hadn't thought of that. Which is ironic since Perez played a part in her creation. Yes, indeed. But yeah, we have a daytime prostitute, which is fine. Metropolis. I mean, they don't obviously come out and say it, but... Um, For 20 bucks, yeah. I can break your heart. Yeah, that it... Well, you know, if you're a little kid reading this, you're not going to know 
no, exactly no. what she means. An adult reading this would be like, dude, they just put a hooker in Superman. <laughs> but, you know, they also had a pimp in Superman 1, so what am I saying? Hey, Jim. <laughs> Woo. That's a bad outfit. <laughs> Woo. Okay, so now my next question, though, is if the, all these Metellos have these line launchers in their chests, mm-hmm. where's the kryptonite? I don't necessarily know that because I don't know that that's Roger Corbin. I don't think these are the original Metallo. No. But they would have to have some sort of power source. And I'm trying to figure out if... Well, then again, looking at the design, and this is me overthinking it, there's a... Basically, there's the nozzle where the grappling hook would shoot out, and there's a circular drum right beneath that, which would probably be the line. Underneath that could well be the kryptonite, and these launchers are removable. Possible. Good point. In fact, the lines are going beneath them on when they climb up the side of the building. You're right, and their chest pieces have closed. Yep. Huh. Okay. I got to tell you, though, that one, two, three, the fourth panel, when you've got the one Metallo looking straight at you, that's kind of eerie. <laughs> Hi. It's like, hey, we have kinda no gives hearts. Kind of gives me a robot man type of vibe. From, yes. Uh, the, 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 oh, what are they called? The Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Yes. But okay. this is this is the Roger Corbin version of Metallo. Yes, yes, yes. Which is Bronze Age. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, otherwise, where else would you get orange and green? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrid combination <laughs> that they used so much back in those days uh anyway okay so they break in now i do like this scene because this next scene because it is very superman lois falls out the window superman saves her she says is... he says i've got you she says who's got you <laughs> almost and then he uses the Daily Planet Globe and turns it into a giant magnet. Yes, he does. Which sounds Just, goofy, but... Yes, and it, uh, he's kind of rubbing it in the same direction. But that's not the point. He It's strong, just strong enough to pull out all the metallos and all the stuff from inside the Daily Planet without pulling up cars from the street. And because this is the age of the typewriter, he didn't have to worry about messing up any computers. Yes. Although yeah. I'm guessing the presses and stuff probably had some computeration to them by this point. But I think this is this is a genius move because you get even though it probably was repaired after the fact the Daily Planet Globe this bastion of Superman was ripped down. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of finality. Yeah, it's it's well, it's for the second time too. Cuz it, you know, beginning of the 70s it got taken off the building. Yes. It gets put back up, and now he's got to take it back down again to save the day. Which does make it very much seem like the final, what was it, the Daily Planet's last stand. Daily so. Planet's last stand, yep. Okay, now, they they do pick up one storyline that I th- I'm i pretty sure had actually been, been, been played with it by this point in the Superman titles of Lana, not Lana, of Perry and Alice having uh, some marital problems. Yes, 
I'm thinking the, uh, by the time we got to this part point in the Bronze Age, they actually were having some marital problems as a backup. There's a subplot. I can tell you they were. That started around 84 or 85 okay. where I'm reading now. Okay. And it was actually well done for for the time. It was a very well done, played out story. And they hadn't they had <clears throat> they hadn't taken care of their resolved that by the time we got to this, right? Correct. Okay, so that's cool. They were they were kind of they would try, they would actually try to go out on dates and it was I mean, really, if you're into the Bronze Age, that's a great little subplot to throw in there around the 84-85 era. And you got to keep in mind too that by this point they were just trying to keep things afloat until they could do the reboot. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they even brought in a new subplot like that is kind of cool. Yes. Well, there was a there, people dismiss that later Bronze Age, the sort of holding pattern for the Burn era, but there were still good stories told. Yes, yes, there were. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to get, read many of those, and I didn't get to because of the show. But still, that's not the point. Okay, so he takes everyone to the fortress, and Crypto shows up, and everybody's happy, even Crypto smiling. And then we go back to Metropolis, looking very much like Times Square, New York. Mm-hmm. And that one building is definitely what they use for the Daily Bugle in the Spider-Man movies. The Flatiron Building. Yes. And Brainiac's ship arrives and Kryptonite Man is there. Who I don't... Fear me. (laughs) Come out and die like a man. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. I'll I'll come out to (laughs) die. Sure. But, okay, so they take them... Okay, I like this part, this next page... Uh, Lois and Lana have never been the... I mean, they've been rivals and friends and strangers, but now they're buddies and crying together. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's not going to go badly at all. No, no, no. But it is, it is their last scene together. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, Perry and Alice have to have their own rooms because they actually have turned their noses up to each other and walk away. <laughs> Literally, heads up. And I like that Superman is there. He, he is showing concern. Yeah. Because these are, you know, these are still his friends. Uh-huh. Maybe Despite Perry the more than Alice, but still. Yeah. But he cares about Perry's well-being, and he knows Perry's probably pretty miserable. Probably. And, and Okay, now this is the... Now, I can see why Superman gets upset at the Legion in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, can I? <laughs> okay, so, and not just because they bring the younger Supergirl with them, but they're in the Supergirl room. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the memorial room, but the Supergirl room. Now, now, also keep in mind that even though she had changed her costume well before the crisis and wore a different costume when she died during the crisis, the image of Supergirl in this room is the 70s hot pants, fluffy sleeve, low neckline costume with the choke collar. Which you weren't here for, but uh, Mike Bradley and I very much enjoy that costume for various reasons. Really? Okay. I I'm, like it. I, I don't. Because... It's not my favoritist, but I still <laughs> like it because it's... It, well, because this is the era where I got into pre-Crisis Superman. That's the costume she was wearing when I got into pre-Crisis Superman. So okay, that's because I when I got in, she was wearing the headband costume that she died in. Oh, okay. Which I still think is a great costume, minus the headband and the flash that dance w- hair. 
that would have been a perfect costume without the headband. Yeah. In fact, I think for just a little bit, one or maybe right when she got her own series, she did she did or when she first changed it, I think she had it without the headband for a little, at least for a cover. Yeah. And it looked really good. I'm yeah, the headband thing really dated it. Unfortunately. But anyway, so that's when the Legion show up in that room with a younger Supergirl. And it's kind of heartbreaking because she's smiling the whole time. Yep. Completely oblivious and innocent. And she gets to play with Crypto, and Crypto doesn't even look all that happy. (laughs) Well, he's, yeah, he's not quite sure what's going on here. Yeah, I'm sure he knows that she's dead. Yeah. But we should keep in mind, too, that this is Legion from, like, right about the time that Superboy first joined up with them, not the then-current version of the Legion. Mm-mm. So Saturn Girl's got a full-body costume, and Cosmic Boy's wearing pink rather than that costume that is weird-looking. It's magenta. Sorry, magenta. <laughs> Lightning Lad's wearing his cape. And the orange pants? Yes. Yes. Which, by all means, should not work, but yet kind of looks cool. <laughs> it's not terrible. No. <laughs> okay, who's the other one with them? Karate Kid. That's Karate no, Kid. No, okay. no. No, no. Wait a minute. Let me come back. That's Invisible Kid. I'm sorry. Okay. Invisible Kid. Okay. Guess what he does. Just, just guess. <laughs> Karate. No, wait, wait, wait. No. <laughs> That's probably Karate Kid. Uh, guessing he marries me- Reed Richards. What? No. Oh. <laughs> You're crossing Sorry. universes it's now. Terrible Don't... joke. <laughs> I confused you. I apologize. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> but they give Superman this statue that plays no important role in the next chapter. Not at all. No. Uh, and And then even Supergirl realizes that something's amiss that she shouldn't be able to be there if Supergirl's around. Yes. So Superman has to kind of, uh, well, he kind of lies, but it's actually the truth. Supergirl is in the past. Yep. Because that's one of the saddest statements in this issue. And it only get goes downhill from here. Oh, yes. Don't worry. The the Legion will wipe her memory out. It'll be cool. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause that DC doesn't have a problem with that. No. <laughs> uh, that won't come back to bite them anytime, ever, ever. Not at all. <laughs> We're looking at you, Brad Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> but look at this scene right when they're leaving, too. Um, Superman has, like, half a smile. Because he, obviously he's not happy, but he's trying to put on a fake grin because of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone else looks sad as they're leaving and somber. So they all know. Yes. Oh, they do. Yeah. Well, even Saturn Girl's like, my eyes are watering. Must be some 20th century virus. <laughs> yeah. And, and that very much sets up the reason for Superman to just sit there and cry at the last page. Full plate. Full full page. Full page <laughs> splash, by the way. It's, you know, I'm trying not to say too much here for those that haven't read it. But the fact that Crypto sits by his master and just kind of waits it out just kills me yeah well a dog does that anyway Mm -hmm. um i don't know how often you cry or your wife but i know you've got at least one dog 
Yes. And when that happens, they are there like glue trying to cheer you up or something. My dog will, yes, she will be very close and cuddle up. Yes. Our dogs have, well, our dog now, but our dogs did the same thing. Yeah. And is was very therapeutic, too, when we had to put the one dog down. The other one was very snuggly. Oh. And it has, it, it, that, that, that's just what dogs do. But yes, it does make the next, what happens next issue even worse. Yes. I think the only thing that could have been better or made it even worse would be if like crypto was like trying to get up in Superman's lap or something. And no, I think it was wagging. I think, I think that, yeah, I think this works perfectly because crypto is, he's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. He, he comprehends what's happening and he knows that Superman just needs somebody to be there, not right on top of him, but you know, nearby. And you notice that, um, not one time does crypto get a thought bubble. No. And the entire two issues. Which is off or odd because he always had thought bubbles. I'm kind of glad for that. Intelligence. Well, yeah. Uh, it does make it a little more realistic. but well, It allows the art to do its job and tell the story. I mean, this, this shot right here tells pretty much this whole issue in one shot. Yeah. Because everything has fallen apart for Superman. It's got some dramatic lighting, too. Look at all the shadows. Yeah. Wow. It's just really a, a, a great piece of art. That's pinup material right there, folks. Yes. Other than the fact that it's so sad. <laughs> I guess you really wouldn't want that hanging in your room. No, that would be a downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, my day's starting off. Oh. Oh, that's sad. But that's it for the story. The um, Now, something cool that they did do, they, uh, E. Nelson Bridwell came in and basically did a history of Superman in Superman. From issue one to issue four twenty three, it doesn't count account for like every single story, but I mean it tells you the stuff that happened in Superman one. It tells you stuff that happened in like seventeen, nineteen, twenty eight, forty one, forty two, thirty. Uh, some of the major introductions of some of the villains like Mister Mixius Tipolik. Because they spelled it differently. You thought I was going to correct you, didn't you? No, I was making sure I said it right. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, oh, that's hard to say sometimes. Uh, let's see. And, you know, just going all the way through to the current. So that's cool. They do the same thing with the action issue, but differently. And then because they didn't have too many ads in this issue that actually involved house ads, they were mostly just other stuff. Uh, they did take some space to do some house ads in the quote-unquote letters page. Uh, an ad for Infinity Inc. by Roy Thomas, Todd McFarlane, and Tony DeZanuga. And then an ad for Lords of the Ultra Realm, what which the I don't remember, but apparently that was a DC comic. Inf- I remember, in- I mean, well, I'm reading Infinity, Inc. I know Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner are covering Infinity, Inc. over on Tales of the Justice Society of America. But I don't know that there's a Lords of the Under, of the Ultra Realm. Under- oh, I know those. Okay, I thought it was Under Realm. Oh, did I say Under Realm? No, I just well, said Ultra. I'm kidding. I don't know them anyway. Okay. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if oh, they're okay. licensed or what. Uh, I would hope that they're licensed because, Wow. And, of course, it's black and white, so I can't tell. We've got this 
guy with a mohawk, and one guy looks like Skeletor, and one guy that looks like um, a little bit uh, like Ragman, Big Bear. Oh, the Ragman, yeah. But there's one guy that looks like I think Big Bear from Forever People. Oh yeah, he does, doesn't he? And one guy that looks like Cyclops with a Asgardian helmet. Ooh. This was a mini a six issue miniseries writ- written by Doug Mensch. Oh. Illustrated by Pat Broderick. Wow, okay. It's just based on medieval and modern stories. Okay, that's not a bad pedigree, actually. No, they actually got actual people in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just one of those uh like one of those special inserts that they used to do with the future stars that you've never heard of after that. (laughs) And I don't know. Now I've heard pluses and minuses to Todd McFarland, McFarland's McFarland, 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 his art on infinity Inc. But that tiny little ad actually looks kind of nice. doesn't look bad. It's as, Kind of as we, I saw with when he was doing the Hulk, his McFarlandisms seep their way in. He's normally on on house style for a while, and then he uh-huh. just starts to start throwing in some weird body convolution or something. Ah, uh, okay. So he started off all right, and then yeah, screwed the pooch later. But I'm now, sure he's I- laughing all the way to the bank with his ta- with his ta- um, Mark McGuire baseballs. Yes, I'm sure he's fine with those. Although, I wonder if they still have their value now that he's been found to have kind of cheated. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that has nothing to do with this issue. Uh, <laughs> so that, well, that finishes up that issue. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to end this episode here. Unless you have more to say. No, we're covered. And uh, what we'll do is part two is going to come up next episode where we'll look at Action Comics number 583, which is where we'll deal with looking at other ads and the elsewhere in the DC universe. So I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. You can listen to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones on demand, and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.